And in that moment, I didn't realize that it was aligning with my life. <laughs> but I look back now and I'm like, oh my God, Daisy Club was that moment for me that made me realize this is what I'm meant to do. I truly am meant to align myself within the South Asian space because I never saw myself and I was a typical immigrant that came to this country at five years old with three English words under my belt, train, airplane, and tooth fairy. Welcome to Always Aligning with your host, Ashika. This podcast is dedicated to soulful conversations with women that are living with intentionality and committed to personal development and self-growth. Join me as I dive deep with guests who are entrepreneurs, creatives, moms, professionals, and multifaceted women as we unpack what it means to live in alignment. I speak with women who have faced uncertainty, endured challenges, pivoted careers, embraced change, and continue to persevere while sharing their stories with vulnerability. Always Aligning is designed to inspire, uplift, and support you through your own journey of finding alignment. Welcome back, Always Aligning listeners. This is your host, Ashika, and you are listening to episode seven. Now, fun fact about me is that I grew up in the suburbs of New York City in Long Island, and in my high school, there were about 1,200 students, out of which only two were brown girls. One of them was me. My brown girl identity was uh, really reserved to my time spent with my family, my weekends dedicated to consuming Bollywood films and dancing Gathak, um, and then, of course, celebrated with the community at the temple and on holidays. I was always very proud of being an Indian female email and I was happy to share my culture with my peers in schools and in talent shows but I really wasn't able to integrate it into my day-to-day life because I didn't have peers at school or you know in my immediate neighborhood to really share that with cut to in today's digital age where there is a space out there on the internet for anyone and everyone a few years ago, I came across this Instagram account called at Brown Girl Magazine, and I was just in love. Finally, a space that was dedicated to me. It talked about the challenges that I experienced as a Indian American with my dual identity. It shared small businesses and products that I would be interested in, like all of these amazing chai brands that I found through this space and of course helped me build sisterhood with fellow South Asian women. It has been a privilege to watch Brown Girl Magazine grow and to also work with the team on their brand partnership side, but most importantly, to witness the impact that it continues to make on a daily basis. In today's conversation, I speak with CEO Trisha Sakujavalia about community building, how Brown Girl Magazine aligns with her values of celebrating all things South Asian, and how in today's day and age, it is very possible to build a profitable business that is centered around a strong mission and social impact. Trisha, thank you so much for being here. I am personally really excited for this conversation because I have the pleasure of working with you and helping with you. And I've also been um, a consumer of your brand, Brown Girl. You are the ultimate boss, babe. How do you do it? Oh my gosh. Well, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to see you be the host, babe, that you are. (laughs) Um, I'm so excited to um, watch you grow in your own personal journey this year. So that gets me super pumped to have you um, grow um, 
your own platform, but also bring that back to Brown Girl, right? And so that's truly how I do what I do, because I rely on folks like you to do the best that they can through black, through Brown Girl and with Brown Girl. And that's a win for me because I get to work with amazing folks who are total slashies. They really believe in the power of having a side hustle. And for that reason, they're willing to give their time, their love, their passion, their energy, their creativeness to Brown Girl. And that's what's kept Brown Girl alive for the past 10 years. And that's what helps me do what I do on a daily basis. It's because I have really, really cool people like you, um, truly devoted to the brand, to the company, to the ethos and to the work we're doing on a daily basis. You are too kind and (laughs) supremely humble. It's definitely something I've noticed about you, um, that you really are a cheerleader and advocate for fellow brown girls. So thank you. Thank you for elevating the voices of people like me and others. We need that. You have a team of volunteers of upwards of 200. How does that even happen? I can barely get an intern for my podcast. How did you do that, Trisha? You can get an intern any day. (laughs) Just tap into the beautiful Brown Girl Network. So, you know, I'd like to take credit for it, but I honestly can't. The Brown Girl Network and community has been built for many, many years. Um, What I was able to do, however, was really truly take that opportunity and take that platform and seize it as a business opportunity, which no one had seen before. So that's where I can take a little bit of the credit. But in terms of the community, the platform, Um, and the folks that you see internally, the 200 plus folks, you know, some of those people have been around um, for so many years that I I can't even six, seven, um, eight, nine years, many of those people have been around. So um, they stick around because they truly believe in the platform that we've built. And being that Brown Girl was founded in 2008. You know, this is pre Mindy Calling, pre Hassan Minaj, pre Instagram, mm-hmm. you know, to think that we've been around for almost more than a decade. I think that's what truly, you know, motivates folks to know that, hey, like we're in the right place and Brown Girl adds value to my life and I want to add value back to Brown Girl's life. So for me, if you're at Brown Girl, I'm always going to try my best to make this as much as a 50-50 relationship as I possibly can. And I know that's it's it's impossible to achieve that on a daily basis. I know there's so many folks who are giving, you know, maybe 80, 90 or 100% to Brown Girl and perhaps we can't give anything in return. But I know that my intention is always to make sure that if you're giving and devoting your time to Brown Girl, then you should be able to leverage from this platform as well, whether that be growing your own platform, whether that be growing or enhancing your own writing portfolio or whether whether that be enhancing your resume by bringing you on board for a managerial position, you know? So in my mind, I'm always looking for, Hey, what can Brown girl do for you? Because I know you're doing a lot for Brown girl. So I think that may be the small little secret sauce as to why folks do stick around and want to come um, because they know that they can truly and hopefully leverage um, from the platform and, you know, and soar and fly. That's the goal. Absolutely. And now you have touched upon so many things that I can't wait to dive deeper. One is Brown Girl Mag is a business. I think a lot of people kind of forget that. It's so easy to engage with the platform on Instagram and think it's all fun and cool. But at the end of the day, it's a business and there are 200 plus people behind that business that are helping and supporting. When you 
when when BGM started 10 plus years ago, pre-Instagram, was it a business then? Was that kind of the end goal even at that time? What did that even look like? Yeah, of course. So the original founder, Aditi Mehta, she started it, you know, honestly, um, to build community in her own um, college. Um, She went um, to a college in Austin, and it was a place for her to come together with her brown girls and to write about topics and content that resonates and matters to them, right? Like not being able to date, having hairy legs, um, having the pressure of getting married after college, choosing a very typical Desi career in college. Um, So that's why she started it. She didn't start it thinking that it could um, perhaps one day become a business. So for the first seven to eight years, no one thought of it as a business. Everyone just consumed and worked on Brown Girl as as if it were a true passion project. And I think that's the cool part of working at Brown Girl now full time is the fact that the original legs of it were so like, we're done with such beautiful and honest intentions that I can never take that away from the company's ethos. And so yes, I want it to be this big, gigantic business. But I know that at the end of the day, um, we our roots are so mission driven, that I never want that to be taken away. Um, even though now we are, of course, trying our best to pursue Brown Girl and make it a healthy, sustainable business. But yeah, it's been, we've only been, um, you know, really thinking about it from a business lens for the past two and a half, three years, um, and really focused on building something that's mission driven, healthy, sustainable, and of course, profitable. And what was that turning point? Was there a key event that happened two and a half, three years ago where you said, okay, we're onto something? Definitely. You know, I had my big break um, in the media space um, while I was at ZTV. Um, I was lucky enough to have um, been there for about four years. I had this amazing team of 50 freelancers there. Um, a few of them were also um, in-house with me full time. And we were managing two South Asian websites um, at Z. And I was just in this amazing place where most of my team was brown girls. And I tapped into my brown girl network to build those teams. And it was during my time at Z that I truly understood the business of media. And I realized that the work we're doing at brown girl is truly profound. And there's dollar signs behind it. <laughs> I just need to go <laughs> find them. Um, And so that's what I did. I was at a very interesting crossroads after my four years at Z where I was getting married. So I did have this very rare, beautiful, um, you know, destiny driven opportunity that allowed me to take that plunge because I had that financial security. And I think that's the most important part of this crossroads is knowing that you have financial security so you can go pursue your own passions and your own dreams to turn it into something viable. And that's exactly what I did. I seized that opportunity. And now I am trying to work 24-7 to make up for that opportunity that I did <laughs> a few years ago. But yeah, it was Brown Girl was getting too big for any one person to only pursue as a passion project. Um, there We needed at least one full-time person. And let's be real, we need at least 10 full-time people right now. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> we are so ready to scale. The company is just like ready to explode. All we need is just a few full-time people to come on board and truly take it rain. But yeah, that's, that's really what the crossroads that was the big aha moment. Do I work for a new media company? Or do I try to run my own? And I chose the latter. And I'm 
grateful and I'm excited that I did. And now that I think back, I'm like, wow, I can't believe I had the guts to, you know, to go full time, take that plunge, not take a real salary, forget about health insurance <laughs> and, <laughs> and you just do it all, you know? Um, and now that I'm like 30 plus, I'm like, shit, would I have done that? So I'm glad I did it then. Cause I don't know if I have the guts now. Yeah. It's the joys of having bravery um, and more courage, right? In our youth, which hopefully as we continue to mature, we can still tap into when we need it. So you came from this media background that was a little bit more traditional in its context, and you you leveraged that experience to build a digital media space. As the definition of media expands now that everyone is a media in its own sense. How do you continue to maintain the integrity behind what you do in terms of representing, um, you know, true media journalism and marrying that with mission back content? Of course. Oh my gosh, that's so hard. And that's truly why we, Brown Girl deserves a full-time editor-in-chief to answer the exact question that you are answering. How do we uphold that mission-driven ethos that we, you know, were founded on on the premise of? And that is so hard to do 24-7, day after day. Um, And all I can say to that is I just try my best to stay laser focused on what is the most important content or topic that we are focused on. Right. So, you know, if 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 um, if we need to tailor everything that we're doing to just um, support farmers in India, then we will do that. You know, if we need to tailor our focus to, um, you know, get Trump out of the office, then we will do that. You know, so we're trying our best to stay as timely as possible and as poignant as possible in our content and in our reporting. But it's hard as hell. Um, and it's definitely a burnout for sure. There's no there's no lie about that. And um, and yeah, and it's not glamorous at all to, you know, work on content 365 days of the year. So while everyone is celebrating, you know, Christmas or Diwali, we are behind the scenes making sure our content is up and ready to go. So whether it's um, whether it's a normal, regular day or whether it's a big, you know, trendy news day, um, we're definitely behind the scenes trying to um, trying to just keep up, honestly. <laughs> yes. And it is truly a 365 day job. And I hope more and more people understand that. And I definitely want to touch upon that. But just to talk about this topic a little bit more, how are you able to kind of discern even um, what needs to be represented? I see on social media specifically that one side of the story can have 10 different elements. You know, there's, there's, one team that will be pro-Trump and one team that's pro-Biden, right? How do you choose which side of the coin that you are? I think in this case, there's probably no one that's pro-Trump in our team. <laughs> probably. That's um, just an so, example. But, you no, know, in, absolutely. In, for, for any topic, I mean, even yes. the farmers protest, I mean, yes, everything, yes. every issue is so complex and it's absolutely. so layered. And yeah. I think sometimes feel on social media, we try to oversimplify it. And the content that we consume in general also tries to oversimplify it. But sometimes in oversimplification, you've taken out context, right? So how do you kind of discern, yeah, what side you're going to represent? 
A million percent. I mean, a really good example of that is just, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Rihanna was wearing a Ganesh pendant, um, you know, with a bralette on and shorts. Oh, no, she was not even wearing a bralette. Never mind. She was naked and she had shorts <laughs> on and she had a Ganesh pendant. Right. And so, of course, there was so much controversy surrounding it. Folks were so angry. They were uproared. Um, and then fo- some folks were like, hey, listen, like, that's not the issue at hand. Like, let's truly focus on what's at hand, which is. Uh, you know, pro Modi India, um, you know, really, really, um, you know, destroying the country. Let's just like, you know, in, in simplest terms. Um, so how do I discern it? I try my best to take a step back and I really, really let the user generated content do what it does best. So if you're submitting an op-ed on a controversial topic like this, go ahead. We will publish it. And that's exactly what we did. We received um, guest content on this matter by someone who was truly, truly upset by Rihanna, not only for this Ganesh pendant that she was wearing, but also for a photo shoot that another um, model slash influencer had done wearing Fenty in front of a temple. Um, and so whether or not I, Trisha, believe that this is an issue for us to be uproared about, it doesn't matter because the content says that we should be uproared because it's user generated. And that's the beauty of what we're doing. Um, we allow our readers and our writers to become the platform so that they have a voice. So there are so many topics throughout the day where perhaps I don't have the capacity or the mindset to really focus on, but that's why I let others take the reins. So if you want to take lead on writing content that's pro Rihanna or not for Rihanna, that's on you. This platform is for you. And I try my best to stay out of it. Of course, when it's bigger stuff like, you know, pro Trump, that's not happening. <laughs> so I will, I will step in. Um, but for the most part, um, as editor in chief, my role is to let the platform do what it's been doing for the last 10 years without me touching it too much and letting the editors um, take lead. So we have about 16 editors. We're about to add two more. So we will have a team of about 18 editors. Everyone has anywhere between five to 15 writers under their belt. And, you know, I'm pretty hands off and I'm grateful for that. Of course, um, I do get into the weeds when there is a fire, but I always tell all my editors, please call me um, the second you think there is fire. Um, and if there's not, then please go about your day to day. And so almost every editor has a different system um, and their team works in a pretty much like some somewhat of an overlapping way, but almost every team is independent of each other. And I think that keeps me sane and that keeps our content really um, diverse. And that's what we need. As the CEO of Brown Girl Mag and um, also the overall editor in chief, how do you um, how do you let go? How do you how do you find it in you to trust others to take over and manage the reins? Second hard. Yeah, no. It's of course, it's so hard. It's so hard. I keep telling myself probably 10 times a day, I cannot micromanage because if I micromanage, I can't scale. If I don't scale, the company won't grow. If the company won't grow, we can't pay everyone. We can't pay everyone. I'll have to shut down. So that's usually like how like that that's is usually cycle right there. <laughs> yeah, it's usually the cycle. So the second I want to micromanage, I'm like, nope, let them do it. Let them do it. Let her take the call. Let them take the call. You know, like, nope, let's like you do it, you know, and there's so many times where I have to like physically be like, nope, I can't, I can't do it, you know, and I have to do that even more because I know there's so many capable folks who want to do more. And sometimes a lot of people are just waiting for me, right? They're just waiting for that green light. You know, like for instance, I have these two new amazing editors. Um, One for one team that we're building out right now is for 
all Gen Z. And the second team we're building out is for short stories and for literary content. And both those editors, Nimrata and Shri, are so ready to go. Um, they have everything just done on their end. And they're truly just waiting for my green light and for some support on my end. But if I wanted, they could just soar um, right now. And so it, it is it is tough. It's definitely tough to like let go of the reins um, and also be able to trust a lot of people at the same time. I'm definitely trusting 200 plus people on a daily basis. And it does get hard, but I'm grateful that my heart allows me to do it. I don't know how. I appreciate you sharing with me so vulnerably the truth. I think um, the behind the scenes struggles of the day to day, you know, life of an entrepreneur is they're not highlighted enough. We just see the wins and the highlight reels, but like this is a part of it, right? So um, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. When you are not able to keep yourself in check, when you are not able to let go of that control, control and find some balance, have you built support systems for yourself to lean on, whether they're advisors or mentors or even family and friends? Yeah, of course. A million percent. Truly grateful for the community I've built in-house and externally. I'm grateful that just so many folks I work with at Brown Girl care about who I am as Trisha. And I think that's so important, right, is to have people who not only care about Brown Girl, but care about my just mental state on a daily basis. So yeah, I mean, just a quick check-in. You do it all the time, right? You'll quickly check in. Are you doing okay? Are things okay on your end? And I get that question so many times during the day. I mean, just yesterday, I received three text messages asking the same question. And it's crazy, you know, like, I I truly appreciate it. Like, I really, really do. I get a lot of check-ins, a lot. And, and of course, having a really strong friend circle, and having a really good family helps me because it allows me to truly separate myself from Brown Girl, which is the hardest thing to do. I have to keep reminding myself, I am not Brown Girl. I am Trisha. <laughs> so <laughs> like, like physically and mentally telling myself that helps me discern the two and gives me some space between the company and myself because so much is overlapped and so much of my world is merged. Um, but yeah, but when I'm with friends or family or just, you know, of course, pre-COVID, uh, you know, I'm definitely a different person. I think you've seen like a little bit of it, but I'm pretty different. Very, very would, little. <laughs> very little, but you'll have to see more. I'm very, very different when I am not playing this, you know, brown girl CEO role. Um, not that I'm playing it, but you know, when I'm not in it. Um, so yeah, so I like me as me. And um, sometimes I miss me because I have to continuously think about what's best for brown girl. <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, but I try my best to take those check ins as a moment of gratitude to know that, hey, I have people who really, really give a shit about me, not just brown girl. I know your husband is also very supportive. And he also happens to be an entrepreneur. What is life like for two entrepreneurs in one household because what I imagine is just two people working 24 7 so how do you guys strike a balance over there yeah it's a really good question um shout out to Ashish um you know I, I always tell everyone that a big reason brown girl is here today is because Ashish has been so supportive of it from day one and um and I appreciate that we truly have this crazy, you know, 50-50, you know, equal partnership, marriage, friendship, um, uh, household <laughs> in our <laughs> lives. And, and, and that's something that you don't take for granted. Um, I've now officially known him for 11 um, years, and we've been married uh, going into four years now. And I just, 
you know, I, I think his insight um, on what it means to have a successful business helps me on a daily basis. Um, he's definitely the first person I go to with my fires, um, even though everyone comes to me with their fires. Ashish is always, um, you know, uh, uh, helping me, honestly, like, I was just texting him like an hour ago and he was giving me big picture thoughts and telling me, Hey, you have to think big picture. You cannot get caught up on the day to day. So I'm usually getting a pep talk along those lines. Um, maybe two or three times a day via text. (laughs) Um, and you know, I, I just think that his, um, his like calmness always calms me down. He definitely has a, a really good head on his shoulders and that keeps me sane for sure. So um, I think in this case, he's definitely a bigger support system than sometimes I get to be for him. Um, and then, yeah, striking a balance. I think that we're all, we're both actually really understanding of, of, of each, of each other being on our phones, which I think is sometimes hard. But yeah, I mean, if he's on his phone doing an email, and I quickly see that he's like in the middle of an email, I won't ask for like, hey, did you hear me? Did you like, are you listening? Like, I won't ask because I know that the text message or email he's sending, he just needs to send it. And it's cool. And this is the world that we live in. And I'm not going to expect him to stop. And I respect that he doesn't expect me to stop either. Um, as you know, I am a night owl. So there are about three or four nights of the week where I sleep in, where I do not sleep until two. Two is my cutoff. But yeah, I mean, there are some nights where she will be frustrated and he'll be like, you have to sleep on time tonight. You can't do this. But most of the time he knows that I just have to do it. And yeah, I'm going to stretch that out, our freedom out until I can, until we have a family, because <laughs> then I won't be able to, at least for some time. So yeah. Yeah. Or then the baby's going to keep you up all night anyways, right? And I'll still be able to work on the side. Hopefully. Let's see. I don't know. (laughs) Do you guys schedule um, together time or is it more go with the flow? I'm so good at sending him random Google calendars. Um, And it's funny because he has a shared calendar. (laughs) So he's like, don't send that to me. <laughs> but no, uh, no, but no, we are definitely good at it. Um, it's I don't know how um, some many times it is organic. Um, and many times it is like very, very pre planned. Like, for instance, um, you know, he's picking me up on Sunday. And we know that we're as soon as he picks me up, we're going straight to brunch. So I already have like this three hour window on Sunday where I'm prepping myself not to touch my phone. I'm going to make sure that all my social media social media work for Sunday is done before he picks me up or while I'm in the car at least. Um, so yeah, I, I try myself, I try my best to like give myself those like mental prep notes, like, okay, Friday, 7 PM, I have to just be off and be ready to just hang out and chill and not worry about the business. And something Ashish always says is that, Hey, listen, like your business is in a good place and you should allow it to grow on its own sometimes because it's not going to just fall apart without you. And he's right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Has choosing the entrepreneurship path for both of you impacted your life in other ways? Like earlier, you commented on health insurance, for example. Have there been some just life challenges that have presented itself because of these paths that you both are on? Yeah, of course. I mean, I have been making some sort of a salary since I was 16, you know, so to finally just like get be like one of the most like independent like brown girls ever to then not really be so independent financially, right? Like that's tough to constantly remind myself that I have to um, be dependent and I have to keep a really positive mindset to do that um, because I'm pursuing something that is bigger 
than me. And so, yeah, I have to constantly remind myself that, hey, it's okay. Um, it's just a moment in time that I have to not be as financially independent as I was a few years ago. So yeah, it's it's tough to, I think that's probably the biggest change. Um, and there was this two week period that I didn't have health insurance after quitting. And I was like, wow, this is what it feels like to not have health insurance. Because <laughs> I was pivoting from, you know, officially taking the business over, so on and so forth. And I remember that like two week period that I was like, this is wild. Like this is literally what it feels like to take the plunge. Um, and I, so I, tr- I was like hanging in like mid air <laughs> in that moment. So, yeah, no, I, I I think that I'm grateful, so grateful, I can say it a 100 times over, that we have the respect and trust and love that we do have for each other. So that keeps us both going on a daily basis. So that hasn't changed in our marriage or because I took this role um, at Brown Girl. But but I think the biggest uh, difference for me um, is the fact that I have to just constantly remind myself that it's okay to um, not be um, 100 million percent financially independent in this moment because I'm truly focused on something that's larger than me. Yeah, for sure. And you are on such an amazing path and journey. And um, I'm excited to be a part of it and support you in whatever small way I can. I'm sure so is your team, but so is the community overall. I think BGM is um, uh, almost what 150,000 followers, if not more. And you have other assets as well. One of them being Slashies Connects, which is um, a a sub niche almost, if I could say, uh, under the BGM umbrella that's focused on people that are slashies right doing multiple multiple things so slashies is fairly new to your portfolio I'd love to learn how the behind the scenes about that um how you built that community um and offered this uh premium product to your existing followers (laughs) Of course. So the big goal at Brown Girl is to build an ecosystem. It goes beyond the realm of content. And that's been um, what I've been truly focused on over the past two and a half years. Of course, we already know that Brown Girl can and will continue to publish relevant content that focuses and resonates with the South Asian community in the diaspora at large. But beyond the content, we want to build this beautiful codependent ecosystem that allows every brown girl reader to come to the site, buy our merch, Lucky Power, buy our new book, Untold, um, Defining Moments of the Uprooted, and also um, join us at Slashy Summit or Slashy Connects. Um, and so, of course, like you mentioned, a Slashy is someone who has a full time, is pursuing various side hustles. So many of us are Slashies and we truly just don't realize that we are. Um, and so that's what I did. I realized um, a few years ago, um, as I officially went full time, that, you know, Brown Girl needs its own summit. But I refused to call it the Brown Girl Summit because my goal has always been to expand the Brown Girl realm into an ecosystem. So I was like, what can what's adjacent to Brown Girl, but it doesn't need to be this official Brown Girl call out. How can we build beautiful, independent entities within the Brown Girl umbrella and slashy just fell into my laps. Honestly, I was at a conference in Philly a few years ago hosted by Melissa Ahmed. She's absolutely amazing. And um, one of the panels um, focused and tailored a bit on having slashies and having a side hustle. And I was like, whoa, that's crazy. I have so many slashies under my title. 
can this become its own thing? And that's what I did. I went home and I kept thinking about it. I pitched it to my events team who are now the co-founders of Slashy Summit with me, Jen and Sarah. And we put the idea on paper, started talking about it a lot, posted, and then six months later, hosted our first summit in New York in partnership with WeWork and with Giphy and sold out in almost two and a half weeks um, with almost 300 folks in the room. Yeah, it was amazing. I couldn't believe it because that was the first time I was building something from scratch. And that's an important note. I did not build Brown Girl from scratch. I took the opportunity to go full time with it. But Slashy is my first true baby because I built it from scratch, of course, with my amazing Slashy team. And, um, and yeah, it's been a beautiful journey because we need to, um, we need to truly harness the power of having our side hustles in the hopes that one day they can become our careers or perhaps we just love them to be our side hustles and that's okay too. Um, so that's what we're doing. We're, we're giving folks a space to elevate their passion projects. And I think the coolest part about working on Slashy Summit um, and now Slashy Connects, we pivoted because of the pandemic. Um, working on Slashy is cool because it is the first time we will um, truly work within the mainstream market. We haven't done that much yet, but Slashy hopefully will be the community that breaks open um, and goes beyond the South Asian realm. And that's where I'm hoping to take Slashy. During COVID, um, of course, many people had more time to invest in their passion projects and hobbies um, and maybe even uh, digital side hustles. So for anyone that's listening, what guidance can you could you impart on those that are seeking to build their own platform and their own community? Absolutely. Your identity is your USP. So make sure that you put that in the forefront. Um, everything that we're doing at Brown Girl or with our merch or with our book or even at Slashy, we're doing it with our identity and our culture and in, in top of our mind, right? So if, if you feel that there is a gap in your hyphenated identity, then fill that gap with a new clothing line or with a new skincare line or with a new, you know, digital pamphlet that will like help and resonate people and and give them tips on budgeting, whatever it may be, right? But really consider your identity and your culture as your USP and and, and take that um, and run with it. So if you feel like, you know, the earrings that you're wearing are not like sparkly and blingy enough, then go ahead, add some like chunky to it, It, whatever it may be, but definitely keep your identity and culture at the forefront of what you're building because it can truly um, be a winner, not just for the South Asian space, but now thankfully the mainstream market market loves everything brown. So we might as well leverage from it. Yeah, it was not like that. At least 10 years plus or so ago, I did not grow up in a community that was, um, you know, supportive of my culture. So it's really nice to see times that have changed. Trisha, do you think you can share a story of a time where you just wanted to call it quits and let go of everything you were doing brown girl and maybe go back to a steady job? Yeah, like Sunday, maybe. I think it was Sunday. <laughs> I don't even know what day it is today. Um, yeah, I think just a few days ago, I was. we were doing um, a lot of number crunching because, as you know, um, we are looking to raise capital at Brown Girl, and number crunching is never fun, especially when you do have multiple streams of revenue at Brown Girl. So it's definitely hard to keep up with, you know, what's the big revenue driver, what's not bringing any money in, what does what we should stop 
pursuing. So yeah, it was just a few days ago, you know, we were really looking under the hood. And it's tough when you do that. Um, Because some numbers are good, some just aren't good enough. And then some you want more. Um, So yeah, I think about what it would feel like to have a stable job almost every other day. And then (laughs) I try myself, I try to tell myself again, and I like just go through this like, you know, this like trajectory of what happens if I have a full time job, okay, well, I have a stable salary, but then I don't get to call the shots. And I don't get to have this beautiful team. And I don't get to have the autonomy that I do have to pursue something that is so much larger than me. And and I don't think I'll be able to pursue something that's larger than me at a full time job, at least I can't see it right now. So I just keep telling myself that, what we are pursuing at Brown Girl deserves to be pursued. And I just need to push a little bit longer. But yeah, I think about having a stable full-time job almost every other day. And then I have a few breakdowns and then I kind of pick myself back up again. And I'm grateful that I have folks like you in my life who give me that motivation, right? Like you'll slack me some really, really good opportunity or you'll tell me something amazing (laughs) that we should be focused on. And then I'm grateful that 200 people like you are doing the same thing on a daily basis. Uh, My slack notifications are frustrating, but also motivating because I know that work is getting done. So um, I will never pause a Slack notification ever because I know that it's always going to give me some sort of a driver or motivation because there are so many times during the day where I'm like, "Uh, I can't focus on a few different businesses underneath the Brown Girl umbrella at once. But when I see that those people truly want to make it work and they want to see Slashy grow and they want to see our merch grow and they want to see our podcast or our book grow, that just helps me want to also grow it. So that keeps me grounded. So you have all these cycles going on in your head that keep you in check um, and different trains of thought. You are essentially working 24-7, 365 days a week. How do you check out? What are your perhaps three best self-care practices that you do and anything else to keep yourself grounded and sane? Yes, of course. Um, I think my biggest one is having a friend circle. I FaceTime a lot. I text a lot. I'm in so many (laughs) text group chats and that keeps me grounded. Like I want to talk about stuff that's not brown girl related, you know, like I want to talk about uh, the, the newest Netflix show or what like shoes or bags I should be buying. And that just like keeps me sane and human. So yeah, texting and FaceTiming and of course just hanging out before the pandemic has been the biggest driver in in doing what I do. Um, And then number two, um, I watch a lot of TV. I consume a lot. I will consume TV TV while working. Um, And it just, again, it really, really helps me. Um, Right now I'm watching Good Girls, but I binge watch almost everything on, you know, Netflix, HBO. Um, I watch every like Daisy American show I can possibly watch. Of course, that's for homework. I always say I need it for brown (laughs) girl. Um, But yeah, those are my two big, two biggest drivers. And then my third is honestly, it's hanging out with my husband. (laughs) It definitely is just like being able to just, you know, um, get away from everything. And and sometimes we don't need to talk about a single thing, right? And that that's amazing, too. So just being able to clock out and, and just sit and hang out and not have to worry about a single thing. I think that goes a long way. But yeah, those are my three. Um, and then yeah, of course, you know, the, the typical, right, the affirmations, um, showing gratitude, being grateful. Hey. Um, <laughs> I, I know that you're all about it. I do try my best to, to, to focus on that. Um, I don't 
do it as much, but, but in the mornings, in the afternoons, in the evenings, I will constantly remind myself what I'm grateful for. The step that I'm missing is writing it down. I don't write it down as much as I should, but I know I'm constantly reminding myself of the things I am grateful for today. So that definitely helps. And then the final thing I will say that helps me a lot is taking a lot of notes. Um, I write almost everything down, even if it's scribble, um, and then having a really, really, really organized Google calendar. So, uh, you know, everything is in there. Those, those few things keep me grounded, keep me sane and keep me going. And just to add, you don't have to write it down, even if you're saying it in your mind or out loud and just connecting with it. It's totally okay. So I think you are absolutely doing the best that you can, Trisha. So no pressure on writing it down. (laughs) I'm curious to know, once you hit your goalposts, um, then what? I don't know, actually. I do think about that a lot. I'm like, what is my like big win? Like, will I have a big win? Will I know that I had a big win? So yeah, that I, I do have that question a lot because I don't know what like the big win here is. Um, I don't know when I will be satisfied. Um, but I think that's cool, right? Like I'm, I'm in it for the long haul. I'm in it to build multiple businesses. Um, I see Brown Girl as just a stepping stone. And I'm hoping that we can build a full production um, arm and a full entertainment arm and a full agency and, um, and you know, produce TV shows and documentaries. So, yeah, I see Brown Girl as a stepping stone. So I don't think I'll ever truly stop. I don't know when <laughs> that big moment will be for me. I think the only big moment I've had so far is going full time with Brown Girl. So if I look back now, I'm like, oh, that was a big win. I should celebrate it. Um, but, yeah. So I think that's, that's, I think I'm just going to keep going. I think you're definitely not giving yourself enough credit (laughs) as usual. You've had a lot of huge wins um, in, in the interim as well. You know, whether it's launching these multiple assets under the BGM portfolio, um, hitting certain milestones on social media, creating a digital media business that actually produces revenue, which is really hard, um, you know, (laughs) in a, at a time and day when Instagram is trying to get you to, advertise with them to push out your content and everybody's out there, um, you know, vying for your attention. So come on, Trisha, you've had some really, (laughs) really big wins. And I hope you can give yourself a little bit of credit. Uh, One question I'd like to ask everyone that comes on the show is this show is called Always Aligning. And I'm always curious to learn how is the life that you're living, whether it's the work that you're doing or the habits that you have, how does that align with your own personal values? That's a really, really good question. I truly appreciate it. So, you know, in um, in high school, I co-founded the Desi Club because there was no Desi Club. I went to a predominantly new high school. I was one of the first official graduating classes. So before Desi Club, I used to like hang out with the kids at the Greek Club and um, that just it didn't cut it for me. So I... <laughs> you couldn't pass as Greek, Trisha? I couldn't pass as Greek. <laughs> and as much as I'm obsessed with baklava, because I will have baklava like five times a week, as much as I'm obsessed with it, it just wasn't doing it for me. And so, yeah, so I went to the school board and I said hey what's it gonna take to start a Desi club and they were like Desi club what's that and I was like you know South Asians brown kids Indian kids Pakistani kids like we need something for ourselves and um and in that moment I didn't realize that it was aligning with my life (laughs) but I look back now and I'm like oh my god Desi club was that moment for me that made me realize 
this is what I'm meant to do. I truly am meant to align myself within the South Asian space because I never saw myself. And I was a typical immigrant that came to this country at five years old with three English words under my belt, train, airplane, and tooth fairy. And I had a... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, those three words, I needed them, right? Because we flew here on an airplane. I knew that I get paid every time I lose a tooth from a tooth fairy. And we took the train a bunch of times in India. So I knew those words. But no, I, I mean, I definitely struggled. I was definitely bullied. I was, um, you know, I was definitely one of the first Indians in my elementary school, you know, now so many years ago, I'm dating myself. But um, but yeah, like I in that moment, I didn't know that starting the AC club would mean that I would be doing South Asian stuff for the rest of my life. But yeah, that's what aligns me. Um, knowing that I can bridge the gap for our hyphenated identity is one of the coolest jobs to have. That's amazing. Well, congratulations to you for, again, being committed to that path and pivoting with that path as well and letting it branch out and take its own shape. How can our listeners engage with Brown Girl and what is next for them to look out for? Of course. So, you know, Yes, we are on Instagram, but I really, really continuously preface Instagram is just one tiny, tiny um, parcel of the work we're doing. The real work we're doing is at browngirlmagazine.com, where we are truly publishing original content um, that resonates with South Asians and empowers them across the country and across the world. And of course, um, please, um, when you are reading us, definitely check out our merch, check out our book, Untold, and also join us at Slashy Connects. And hopefully this year we will have our third Slashy Summit. So I hope to see a lot of familiar and unfamiliar faces there. Um, so we're super active on, of course, every single social media platform. We're trying our best to be more active with our newsletter. Um, and hopefully this year we will launch our own subscription through Brown Girl. Um, so that will be a good um, initiative for us to focus on and really what's next for brown girl is focusing on the three pillars within the company which as you know is the content um and then of course is the community and underneath the community is our events and slashy and then of course our commerce which is our merch and our books and hopefully we can expand on those lines as well so i truly feel like we've built these very three strong distinct pillars that are all revenue drivers And now all we have to do is scale them. Um, So it seems like an easy task. Definitely not. So I'm going to be hyper-focused this year on um, scaling the three um, pillars at Brown Girl. Well, I wish you all the best. And again, as a Brown Girl Mag community member, I am so excited to be on the journey. The platform has served me in amazing ways by educating me, empowering me, and making me feel seen way before, you know, social media kind of even blew up. So I appreciate all of the work that you're doing, Trisha. You are a force and an inspiration. And thank you so much for being here on Always Aligning. I appreciate that. Oh my gosh, your energy and what you bring to the table um, is beyond me. I'm so grateful that we met. Um, So thank you, Pooja Dar. We love you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So yeah, no, absolutely. What you bring to the table is absolutely profound and I am truly excited to grow with you. So yeah, let's do it. Thanks for having me. This is your host, Ashika, and you are listening to Always Aligning, the podcast. 
If you liked what you heard today, go ahead and hit that subscribe button, share the show with a friend and leave a comment and a review. I am back here next Thursday with a fascinating episode with romance author Sienna Snow. Now, Sienna's story is so fascinating to me. She wrote her first book and published her first book after the age of 40. And let's just say her books make Fifty Shades of Grey look PG-13. If you want to get a taste of what I'm talking about, check out some of her books. She just released Dangerous King a couple of weeks ago. She's a USA Today bestselling author and This is going to be a hell of a conversation. So come back here next Thursday and I'll see you guys next week.